This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Annie P. Ruggles, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm delighted you're delighted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mutual delight is important. It is. So I got to ask this question because I'm nosy. Um, most guests will use a middle initial, but they don't require me to say their full name like you wanted the middle initial Annie P. Ruggles. So there's got to be an interesting story behind that. <laughs> I love that you said require like I made you sign a contract in blood. Like, yeah. I will not be on the show unless you say the P. You did. It's but, right. It's right. Oh. It's right here. It's in blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm into weird blood oaths. Thank you for announcing that on your podcast. No, the P. So my middle initial stands for Passanisi. That is my maiden name. Um, but number one, I love my name. I loved being a Passanese. I enjoy being a Ruggles, but, um, I also include the P in my name to honor my parents. My mom is a super decorated motivational speaker, now retired. My dad is a business strategist, also now retired. But because of them, I grew up understanding that entrepreneurship was a possibility in my life. And that gave me such a leg up. I can't even say it. So that's part of the P. The other part of the P, though, the selfish part is that my beloved in-laws all have A-N names. My mother-in-law, whose name is Ruth Ann, goes as Annie. So she, her name is Annie Ruggles, no P. And then I have two beautiful sisters-in-law, Andy Ruggles and Diana Ruggles, but as a joke, and it stuck, my little brother-in-law said, well, to fit in with the family, we'll call you Anna. And we do. So now we have Andy, Annie, Annie, and Anna Ruggles. And I'm like, this is just not going to happen. So I put the P in there just to be distinct. I, I love you being distinct. And, you know, when you were telling, when you said the words weird blood oath, for a half a second, I said, should I title the episode weird blood oath? But no, I said, yes. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So one of my favorite things I've prioritized being on shows and I'm so grateful for every opportunity, but I think one of my favorite things about being on podcasts is waiting to figure out what the episode is going to be called. And in recent memory, there have been some gems on the internet. There's an episode circulating right now called Annie P. Ruggles can save you from yourself. I love that one. Uh, another one that came out last week says, um, Self-professed human Muppet will teach sales to you. Uh, and like all these things, I'm like, yes, yes. So you know what? You want to call this episode some kind of blood oath? You go right ahead, Mr. Productivity. I will not stop you. I can't. I, I could just imagine people scrolling through their podcast player. Weird <laughs> blood oath. And they're going to think it's some cult show. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then they're going to turn it on and be like, no, it's just Mark interviewing this weird, you know, whatever. <laughs> now, speaking of weirdness, I got, I got to share this. So whenever a guest books on my show, I, they fill out a Calendly event form and it tells me, you know, their bio. And this is what Annie wrote on her bio. This is word for word for almost a decade. Annie P has harnessed her Hulk like disdain for hard sales tacky self-promotion and overly competitive sleaze balls as inspiration to help people find better ways to grow their small business. That's her words. Exactly. Now I'm looking at her. Now this is not an, a video podcast. I'm looking at Annie. She does not look like the Hulk. She's not green and she doesn't have a torn <laughs> shirt. <laughs> no, I'm also four foot 11. Oh, you can't be the Hulk. But... Man, you're too short. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. I know. Bruce Banner, I am not. But, you know, I do like to think that because of my small stature, all of the emotion in me is just concentrated. Right? So Hulk-like means, like, take all of the Hulk's energy and then put it in tiny flaily me. And that's how much I hate sleazy sales. Yeah. Well, I think we all hate sleazy salesmen. We've all experienced, if you haven't experienced the used car sleazy salesman, you you won't have a complete life unless you've experienced it. I, I think you'd agree with that. Oh, absolutely. Because at this point, I like to say, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s or beyond, at this point, you've been sold to badly about 19 gajillion times. <laughs> but what happens, though, with people who don't have formalized sales training or who, you know, jump into entrepreneurship following passion is that we tend to redefine selling as all of those times we've been sold to badly. And so we avoid the sale almost entirely. We avoid that ask because we go, well, no, hold on. What I do is valuable and beautiful and precious to me. And my client is valuable and beautiful and precious to me. So I don't want to bring selling into this because remember that one time I got sold to that was so terrible. I don't want to do this to them. And so we assume that the ways that we've been sold to are the only ways to sell. And that's just entirely untrue. It is. And I would also say that when it comes to salespeople, I think by far the best salespeople in the world are children. They're persistent. Oh, yeah. They're persistent. They don't take no for an answer. They know how to pull all the bags of trick, uh, throw a temper tantrum, whine, cry, <laughs> fall on the floor. Can you imagine if we sold like that as an adult? Oh, that would be amazing. I'm going to try it by the end of the day. There you go. There's your weird blood oath. I'm going to try to sell like a lemonade stand by the end of the day. But you know what? There's value in that. Yes, the temper tantrums will probably not get you that far. <laughs> but one thing that I love about watching kids sell is they don't have internalized baggage about pricing. Mm, yes. If you go up to a kid who's selling lemonade for 25 cents and you go up to a kid who's selling the same lemonade for 225, neither of them feels the need to justify their price point. The price is the price. It is what it is. Do you want it or not? If you don't want it, you're going to get a really pouty six-year-old who's going to tell you all of the benefits of hydration on a hot day. And that lemon is delicious, right? You're going to get the kid that gives you the spiel. But they're not going to sit there and go, you know, it's a hot day. And because it's hot and I haven't sold that many things today, I'm supposed to charge $2.25. But, you know, I like your bald head. So um, how about a dollar? You know what? No, it's hot. Tell two friends and I'll give it to you for free. Kids don't do that. Kids don't do that. Kids are like, what you got in that wallet? It's $2.25. You don't have a quarter? Okay. Okay, it's $3. Like, they go up. They don't go down. Like, kids don't haggle, and kids don't apologize for pricing. The price is the price is the price is the price, and I love that. Well, one of my favorite companies in the world is Apple, okay? The price of the iPhone is the price of the iPhone or the MacBook or the iPad. You don't go in the Apple store and go, uh, yeah, this nine ninety seven iPhone, how about seven ninety seven? They're like, no, the price is the price, is the price. So my question for you, Miss Annie P, is why <laughs> when we get to be adults and we get this internalized baggage, as you called it, why how 
I'm trying to figure out what question I want to ask first. Let's go with the why question first. Why do we allow ourselves to get this baggage that affects our ability to sell the product that we should, and this is very key, you should know your product and your service, and you should love your product and service, because if you don't love your product, then why should I? So saying that, why do so many adults are, number one, terrified of selling, and why do they fear selling? I think part of it is what we've already talked about, about the nastiness and negativity that we have because of the baggage. But also, I think, you know, a lot of people are not taught the simple, beautiful art of the ask without a bunch of trappings on top of it, without a bunch of gimmicks and without a bunch of schemes. And so it feels really complicated to say, okay, now I have to shift into this other energy I got to change what I'm talking about. I got to change who I am. I got to change how I'm delivering this information, shift into sales voice, right? And get the thing done. (laughs) That's very, very uncomfortable. And then additionally, one of the things that I have specifically around price point that I see over and over and over again is that we believe in our product. We know our product. We love our product. But for whatever reason, we would not pay our own rate for our product, Mm -hmm. largely because we don't have the problem that our problem solves our problem uh, our product solves anymore right so if you're a hairdresser and you work in a hair salon and you're surrounded by other really talented hairdressers you are not going to pay a full amount to get a full highlight haircut blowout. You're not. You're not. Why would you? You're surrounded by hairdressers. You don't have the problem of needing a skilled hairdresser. If you ask me right now if I would buy a $448 sales program like my program, I would say no because I don't need a sales program. But if you ask me if I would spend almost $500 in my business before my next launch to get other eyes on it or support, that's different. I would. Because I have the need. But what happens on these calls is we go, well, hold on. Hold on. I could do this for cheaper. Maybe I wouldn't get as much out of it. But there are people out there, you know, offshore or whatever that are charging less than me. So maybe I should do this because do I really want to charge $2,000 for this? Do I really? But that happens at every price point. Even at $49, you get people that are like, well, is the product really good enough for $49? Would I spend $49 on it? My clients do, and they really love it, but I wouldn't. Get your eyeballs out of your own pocket. That is not economics, and that is not sales. That is weirdly placed self-reflection that's going to tangle up your brain when it comes time to do what you should do, which is just say, and the investment for that is this. How does that land on you? That's another title for the show. Get your eyeballs out of your own pocket. That would <laughs> get your eyeballs out your pocket. Blood oath. Oh, we're, we're, we're going, we're going good here. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is I struggled with you know, selling my own product. I've got a product called Digital Productivity Coaching Program. And one of my favorite clients, I love all my clients, but one of my favorite clients, she's a CPA, okay? And so she knows numbers. And so my Digital Productivity Coaching Program costs $97 a month. I'm not gonna go into what you what you get, but uh, you can find out by going to mrproductivity.com. The point is, she goes, what are you spending $97 a month on that you don't get return on investment? Now, I never go to Starbucks for anything. My wife's a Starbucks addict. I'm not. But if you buy whatever their grand muta latte, whatever it is, for five days a week, okay? Let's say, are they, are they like $5 a time every time you go into the, the, the big ones? Are they five bucks? 
They're like five or more. So let's yeah. say $5. So you go there five days a week. That's $25 a week times four. That's a four, that's hundred dollars, right? What's your return on investment on that? And that's just Starbucks. And so when you're looking at buying something or you're looking at selling something, do if you want to be a nerd like me and run the numbers, what's the return on investment? Now, my coaching program, I can make you more productive, which means you get more stuff done, which means you can make more money. What's Starbucks giving you other than that jolts so you can drive, I don't know, 90 miles an hour on the freeway. And I, I <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I try to think about. I try to think about, you know, what value, if you want to break it down numbers, what value is it really bringing people? And I, the other thing I want to say is a lot of people, they get in their own ways. Like you say, get your eyeballs out of your own pocket. Okay. We sometimes are our own worst enemies. We get in our own way when people are raving about our product and we should just shut up and let them rave about our product for us. Hey there, it's Mark. And I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. You said the magic words, Mark. You said the magic words, the magic words of non-sleazy selling are shut and up, <laughs> right? It's shut up. I listened when I first decided I wanted to take the leap from marketing and branding into figuring out how to help good people sell beautifully. I listened to hundreds of sales calls, including my own, but mostly not my own. I know my own baggage. <laughs> uh, oh, do I? And it has cost me a lot, right? But I listened to my own calls for reference because I was the poster child for sales avoidance. But before I knew what sales avoidance was, I wanted to broaden the net, right? Mm -hmm. And the number one crime, the number one sin that I saw on these calls was what I call sales vomit which is word vomit, but around sales. And it's when we don't know what to say or we're nervous about what the client will say, so we just talk right over it. Mm. We just babble our beautiful butts right over. <laughs> and then we talk the whole time. We dump information on the client the whole time. And on a you know 28 minutes of a 30-minute discovery call, you babble the whole time. Maybe you ask one or two questions. Maybe you stick to a script. Maybe you don't think you're babbling because you're following a script line <laughs> by line, right? But after 28 minutes, you're supposed to understand if you can really help this person, but you haven't gotten to know them at all. They've been continually talked over and are confused because you've talked yourself into a circle. And then you realize that the timer is counting down. You got maybe a minute of their time left and you go, so what do you think, Mark, are we doing this? <laughs> and they go, no, what are we doing? What? <laughs> like what? What? So what was one of the first things that I started writing down were places to shut up, mm. places to hush, places to stop. Let what you say, carry weight, let the client think and answer a question that they have or ask a question that will lead them along the path to understanding the value of the thing. If you just freaking babble the whole time, it's like listening to a podcast on two times speed. You're going to hear it, but you're not going to get any value. I also heard that once you make the ask, the person who speaks next loses. Do you believe in that? Uh, it depends on where you define the end of the ask. Okay. 
So for me, if you're like, and it's 25 bucks, if that's the end of the ask to you, I'm going to speak next. I'm going to encourage people to say, how does 25 bucks sound? Right? Okay. But then the person who speaks next does lose if I completed the ask by putting it back on the client. Then, then if I talk enough, if I talk after I've landed the thing, then absolutely I lose. Like if I'm a gymnast, if I'm Simone Biles, queen of gymnastics, and I do this weird, flippy, amazing <laughs> thing off that giant beam thing, can you tell that I'm very well versed in gymnastics terms? <laughs> and she, you know, flips her magnificence and she sticks this landing and everyone cheers. And then she's like, you know what? I didn't like that flip. I'm going to do another flip. And then she flips and then she falls on her butt. What are we going to remember? Right. We're going to remember that last time that for whatever reason, after she stuck the landing, she did this weird extra flip thing, flaily whatever, and fell on her butt. That's what we're going to remember. Don't do that. Don't do that. The price for that is this. How does that land on you? Or is that around what you were expecting? Or do you understand why that would be a good investment for your business? And then hush. Zip. The lip. Shh. Quiet. <laughs> That's so important because a lot of people struggle with that awkward silence. But what that awkward silence is, is the buyers going, hmm, they're running the mentally, they're running the numbers through their head and like, well, what they said made a lot of sense. And if, if you jump in, then you interrupt that flow. Now, I'm gotten, I've gotten better at this because I'm one of these weird speakers where I embrace the silence. So if I lose my train of thought, which happens occasionally from the stage, I don't break out in the cold sweat. I don't freak out. I'm like, okay, and I'll just make light of it. Like, well, that thought went, you know, whatever. Yep. But, but to your point that when you land the plane, when you land the offer, mm -hmm. you think nothing's happening, but in the mind of the buyer, they're thinking. And you don't want to, you don't want to interrupt that because you want to interrupt that flow of thought because they're running numbers. Well, you know, this is not the bad of deal. I get da, 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 da. And if you interrupt it, then you crash it. And like, it's like if you're on your, if you're trying to write a blog post, for example, and then your phone goes, ding, you've lost your, your focus because now the president of your nation is texting you at that very moment. And now you've forgotten what you're going to say. And so now this is not easy to do. I I've, I'm getting better at this. I'm not, I'm not as perfect as you are at this point. Cause obviously you're a master cause you're Hulk like, um, but it's <laughs> tough because when you do the offer, especially when you need the money, when you could use a client, you're like, Oh, and it's really hard to do it on zoom calls because if you're in a phone call, you can like be walking around and jumping up and down being really quiet. Uh, when you're in a zoom call, you can't do that. So you got to keep looking at the camera, dead into the camera, not open your mouth. It is, it's easier said than done. Definitely. Oh, yeah, but all it does is it takes practice, right? So you said, you know, if you're on a Zoom call, of course, that's harder. You got to just sit there and whatever. But if you're on a Zoom call, you can also see the fact that the client is thinking. True. Right? So it's a mixed bag. If you're on the phone, you can mute your phone. And then you can just babble. I mean, <laughs> and they can't hear you or see you. So go right ahead. But I that's terrifying, though. Just make sure, make sure your phone's muted, though, when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> but then the silence has no context because you can't see the person. At least on Zoom, you can see that they're thinking. True. But, you know, the number one way that I love to explain this is, you know, now that we're coming out of a year of lockdown of COVID, um, 
a lot of us are starting to vision like, and I'm going to go to this restaurant and I'm going to do this thing. Okay. So pick whatever restaurant you're most excited to go to. Most excited. Only stipulation, they have to have table service. So not counter order, table service. Okay. So you and your beloveds, whoever you want to be with, are at this restaurant. You are at a prime freaking table. You have not been inside a restaurant in a year. The server comes up. Lovely server. Adorable. Very professional. Super sweet. And they say, hey, would you like to know today's specials? And you say, yes, for context, I would love to know today's specials. I think I wanted this, but you know what? Lay on the specials. So the server tells you the specials. And then instead of leaving your table so you can look at the menu, the server then chooses to stay at the table and go, did I tell you about the salmon? Did I tell you about the glaze on the salmon? Did I tell you about why the salmon's good? Did I tell you that it's not Atlantic salmon? It's Pacific <laughs> salmon? Actually, it's salmon are all from rivers. Did I tell you that it's which river the salmon was from? But also, you don't look like a fish guy, Mark. You look like a chicken guy. Did you know that in the chicken, the chicken is farm raised from down the street? You would leave the restaurant. You would leave. You would be like, how can I enjoy my choice? How can I look forward to what I'm buying when I cannot hear myself think, right? So you would want that otherwise very well-meaning, very professional waiter to get that as far the heck away from you as possible so you can think. But remember, being sold to is uncomfortable for your buyer as well. So give them the gift of silence because what they're expecting in that moment is to be arm twisted. If you give them that gift of quiet to think, you're already going to put yourself ahead of most sellers because what most sellers will do when they see hesitation or they see objection or someone's not ready to just go, yes, right now is they'll seize on that mm. and they'll go, I see that you're uh, having some questions about that. Let me <laughs> tell you a cautionary tale. I had this woman who didn't hire me and she lives in a box now. Do you want to live in a box, Mark? That's what sleazy sellers will do. We don't want to do that. I heard. Instead, give them quiet. I heard. I don't know where the source was, but when someone raises an objection, I want to ask you your thoughts on the objection. Instead of getting your feathers all ruffled up, just look them in the eye and go, that's very interesting. Tell me more. And let them explain to you what the objection is, because there's something magical about when they have to, it's easy to say, well, I got a problem with it. Okay. Tell me more about it. Oh crap. Now I actually got to tell them what the problem is and it may be they can't afford it. And that's okay. Not everybody can afford it. I'd rather have you be honest with me and say, look at, I can't afford this. I respect that. But, but you won't know unless you ask, if you don't say, tell me more, you won't know. You just go, Oh, gee whiz. They said no. <laughs> Boo hoo hoo. You won't know. Maybe they could afford you in three months, but they didn't tell you that because you didn't ask. Exactly. I mean, most people define objections as a future no. It's a warning sign of an impending no. Mm. I think that is flat busted wrong. Flat busted wrong. When I hear an objection, what that signals to me is that a question has not been adequately answered. Nothing more, nothing less. Right? Everybody is some combination of an emotional buyer or a detailed fact-based buyer. Every single person is. If you have an objection, it means that either you are not feeling the thing that you need to feel in order to click buy, 
or the checkboxes in your head as your fact gathering have not all been checked off yet. That's it. That's all. It's a chance to get to know the client better. It's a chance to get to know their mindset and their uh, their literal objections, their their circumstances better. But it's also a chance to show your metal in that if someone comes to you and they're like, God, this does sound amazing, but I just had to put my dog down and that cost all this money. Imagine if you hadn't asked that question and you're like, why are you being cheap, Mark? Come on. <laughs> what are you waiting for? And they're like, well, I just had to put my dog down. Then you sound like a complete butthead. Yeah. If you're like, is this about money? What's going on? And they're like, well, money is really tight. I got to be honest about that. Money's really tight. Then you go, you know what? I'm so sorry to hear about your dog. Here's what I want to do. Understanding that the program is evergreen, I'm going to give you homework for the next three months. And then when things change financially, I want you to come back. And they do because you weren't like, how much did you spend on Starbucks this month, Mark? Couldn't you tell your wife to rein that in and reallocate the funds? <laughs> that is how people handle objections. Why? Yeah. Why? What does your wife get out of Starbucks that makes it worth a hundred bucks a month? How can I help you get that same value for that same hundred dollars? I love it. That's working together. That's communicating. Otherwise, if you're just like objection, run for the hills. Imagine if a lawyer did that in court. <laughs> objection. Sustained. Whoop. Okay, I'm done. Appeal over. <laughs> Off to death row you go. Goodbye. Oh, like, my goodness. We, we don't do that. It's a chance and an opportunity for both of you to deepen your understanding of the other. Nothing more. Nothing. Listener, I want you to take a blood oath that you will listen to this podcast again. I had to get that in again. I just had to get that in again <laughs> because Annie gave us so much to think about. And how we can be kind of become better salespeople. And I know you didn't get it all. So I want you to go back when we're done. We're not done yet. Don't leave yet. And listen to the episode again. And if you want to have fun, listen to it on 0.5 speed and then maybe 2x speed to see how Annie really talks. So we're going to. We just talk about it on 2x speed. Like, thank you for <laughs> having me on your show. No. You're hysterical. There, there's your point five. You're, you're, you're hysterical. But what I want to do now before <laughs> we get to the final, final question is I want to do this thing called Mike Swap. I didn't even get a chance to ask you the question. You said, yes, I want to do it, uh, which kind of scares me. But um, <laughs> this is the opportunity. If you've never listened to the show before, thank you. Welcome. Glad you're here. This is an opportunity where I let my guest ask me one to three questions that they want to ask me. Uh, can be anything other than my social security number, credit card numbers. And if I don't know the answer, I will say, I don't know the answer. It's just a way to, as Stephen Carvey says, paraphrasing here, sharpening this all because I do love being asked questions. I don't know the answers. To, I don't know what the questions are. So it keeps me sharp. So Annie, you are the temporary host of the show. It's all yours. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. Oh, why, thank you. Welcome, everyone, to the Mark Strachewski podcast, Mr. Productivity, the Clean Gary V. Uh, Mr. Clean Gary V, could you please 
for our listeners out there. Um, many, many of us are coming out of COVID rhythms and back into air quotes, normal rhythms, but our productivity may have changed and our rhythms and patterns may have changed. Um, how do we take what was working for us during this time and how do we rectify that with normal life? For the younger listeners in the audience, this is going to sound foreign to you, but go with it. I want you to gift yourself an hour of your time. I want you to go someplace quiet. I want you to get a notebook. If you don't know what a notebook is, go Google it. Amazon carries them. <laughs> get a pen. If you don't know what it is, go to Amazon. They've got pens. And I want you to write down. You snorted. Annie, you snorted on my show. That's classic. Annie's if lost. You don't know what a pen is. Google it. Okay. Sorry. Hold on. I am being a good podcast host. Please continue your beautiful <laughs> and eloquent response. And I want you to take that pad and pen. And I want you to go write down everything that went well for you when you were locked down during COVID. And I want you to say, okay, what can I bring to the new normal and what needs to go? Now, why do I tell you to do this on a pen and paper? Your brain works differently than when you're typing in your phone or you're typing it on your iPad or your, your uh, laptop. I want you to do it on paper with pen. It makes a world of difference because mm -hmm. you get the stories out of your head, put them on paper. Now they become real. So that's what I would suggest people do. I love that. I do really well, love that. You. And I am a pen and paper everything. Like, I don't need to Google it. This desk is covered in notebooks. Um, <laughs> By the way, I think you're the first guest ever on the show that ever snorted. So congratulations really? for making history. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so special <laughs> and also so weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Okay, so my next question for you is, um, what boundary are you most excited to have perfected or to have at least improved when it comes to your client relationships? What boundary? That's a great question. What boundary? I would have to say that I love to over deliver and as over deliver, someone will book a 45 minute session with me and I would let it go past 45 minutes, which is not showing respect for me or the client. So now what I do is I set the timer on my iPhone for 45 minutes, which doesn't start when they get on a call. If we have a call start at 10 o'clock, 10 to 1045, when 10 o'clock goes, I start the timer. You get there 10 minutes after you've already wasted 10 minutes. It doesn't start when you get on the call. And that's what well, that's the thing a lot of clients do. But I have one client. I don't offer this plan anymore where it's called accountability coaching. So you get four 15 minute calls a month with me. And the problem is 15 minutes, you get in the used to that. Hey, how's it going? You know, what's going on in your part of the world? And that, and I would go over and I don't do that anymore. This is not soccer where you don't know the time and the referee knows the time and you're playing <laughs> over, you know, when the clock starts nine and that's where your, your, the time starts, I start the timer and when the timer goes off, that's it. And I will say, okay, you got a minute left. And I, I, I got to be protective of my boundaries. Otherwise it's going to affect me, my future, my next client, my next podcast guest. And so my boundary is being really a stickler for the time, because if you book like 12, 45 minute sessions, you get 12, 45 minute sessions, not yeah. 40 to 60, you get 45 minute yeah. sessions. And I've got to, that's one of the things I'm really a stickler on now. 
I love that. I had to do the same thing. I was the absolute, you know, therapists talk about like the 55 minute hour. I was like the 155 minute hour. Like (laughs) we could just do this all day. But speaking of doing things all day, I have one more question for you. Okay. Which is how do you honor and celebrate your well-won sales? Hmm. You know, what's interesting is if you've listened to my show at all, you know that when I was fired from my job in corporate America in July 2005 until the end of 2020, I made a total, not per year, a total of $40,000 because I was investing in coaches and products and courses, not doing my due diligence. I just thought that they were like penicillin for, you know, when penicillin first came out, I just thought everyone out there was the magic bullet. And I spent thousands and thousands of dollars and they, they took me down this path and didn't work. And I take full responsibility, by the way, I don't blame them. I blame me because I forked over my money. Well, one of the things I apologize. I just lost the train of my thought. The conversation. What was the question again? This is so embarrassing. I'm leaving. Goodbye. I <laughs> snorted for you. How dare That's you? That's what it was. You snorted for me. I just. <laughs> it just threw everything into the mix. No. How do you celebrate? Oh, yes. So my point honor was. honor your hard won sales. So when I get a sale now, I remember when I first got a $300 sale like 10 years ago, it could have might as well have been $300 million. Because when you don't make a sale for like months, when I first started, I didn't make sale for months. Okay. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know Annie P Ruggles. I had no clue. And when someone paid me $300, I told my wife, I made $300. And to her credit, she got just as excited as I was. Now, how it happens in 2021, doesn't matter if someone pays me $300 or my digital productivity coaching program is $97 a month, or if you're a full-on client. I think every dollar I make is like billions of dollars. I am so thankful. I'm so humble that people trust me with their money to help them become more productive. I am so thankful. I know some people go, yeah, they're, they're in my continuity program. Ah, they're little money. No, every penny someone pays me, I'm so grateful for. And I think when I started looking at that, it, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Three great questions, by the way. You should have your own podcast. I do have my own podcast. <laughs> well, you can tell us what that is because now is the time of the show where we can find out more about Annie P. Ruggles. What are you doing in the world? And where can we find out more about you, including your podcast? Well, maybe I could be on the show someday. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Yes, please, please. Okay. Please, please, please. You heard it. You heard it, audience. You heard it. She wants me on her show. Peer pressure him to be on my show, please. My show is called Too Legitimate to Quit. Instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. Every week I bring in whip smart guests. I rile them up in their zone of genius. And then right when we think that the conversation is over, I throw in a monkey wrench, which is one of their favorite pieces of pop culture. And we does like we dig into that pop culture together to find the business lessons in it. So Every episode is actionable. Every episode has some beautiful pop culture component. And I would freaking love to have you. New episodes come out every Monday. But listen, if you are listening and you have active sales avoidance, 
understand, number one, it's not your fault. You have been sold to terribly, but that is also not a permanent condition. So what I want to encourage you to do is if you're in that learning digesting mode, go ahead and head over to my website, AnniePRuggles.com. If you do, you'll find my free masterclass, Make Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, my blog, a quiz, all kinds of fun bells and whistles over at the website if you're in that learning place. But if you are in active anxiety about selling, if you have something coming up that you're confused about or that's keeping you up at night, give me a little notice. I can't fly to your side immediately, but what I really want to encourage you to do is reach out to me directly on a platform with a chat function. For me, the best two are Instagram and LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'm just at my name. Instagram, I'm at Anniepreneur. Ask me a question and let me help prepare you for your next call. I would love to show you how beautiful and easy selling can be when done well. And the best way for me to do that is to solve a specific problem for you and with you. That's awesome. Now, one follow-up question for you. Uh, Are you on Snapchat? I am not. Oh, you got to get on Snapchat, girl. My two two favorite platforms, LinkedIn, number one by a long shot. I try to steer clear of anything Mark Zuckerberg owns. Okay. Facebook's oversaturated. Instagram's saturated. They're stealing your information. Go watch the social dilemma. So many of my guests say, go watch social dilemma. I finally gave Netflix $14 of my money last month and watched it. Scared the crap out of me. So I'm on Snapchat because Snapchat couldn't get bought for Facebook. Google tried to buy Snapchat and they're out there on their island all by themselves. And so I encourage you. Uh, both you, Annie, and the listener, go follow me on Snapchat. Because I love Snapchat. Snapchat, love Snapchat is my fun platform. Okay, you can do goofy filters and all this other stuff. So go find Mark Stucheski on there. I love it. I was off of Snapchat for two and a half years, and I heard Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I think he knows a little bit about social media. He says, "Yes, yeah, Snapchat's coming back in 2021." <laughs> And I went download the app again. Totally changed. They got personal profiles now. You can pin your your snaps and all this stuff. Absolutely crazy. Your personality would be so suited for Snapchat. I would love to teach you how to use Snapchat because I think you would crush it on Snapchat. I really do. So I'm going to. I'll trade you back. Are you on Clubhouse? Oh, no, I'm not in Clubhouse. You want to know why? I'm going to. I haven't really spoken a lot about Clubhouse unless people ask me about it. I've been hearing people waste so much time on Clubhouse. They spend hours and hours and hours. And you said the A word earlier, action. If you're just learning, 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 and you're not taking action, 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 it's a waste of time. I hear people say they're addicted. They're wasting so much time. They're not getting anything done. And I'm like, I've got a podcast. I get to have great one-on-one conversations with the Annie P. Ruggles, which I own. I own. You don't own the stuff on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, you don't own it, but I own the podcast. I mean, if anyone ever wanted to ban Mr. Productivity from podcast world, who's going to want to ban Mr. Productivity? Um, I own the stuff. I have all the files. Okay. So I, it's all about the podcast for me, but after we're done with this interview, I'm going to really try to get you on Snapchat because I think you would be awesome. Plus you could be my friend. <laughs> I mean, I want to be your friend on all platforms, okay. Mark. So there you go. All right. I solemnly swear. Blood in oath. front of these listeners, blood oath. Hold on. Let me hack into my hand <laughs> with this pen. If you don't know what it is, Google it. Um, yeah, I solemnly swear I will I will heed your wisdom and I will explore the avenue of Snapchat. 
How many times did we say blood oath? I think we said three or four times, which is hysterical. Probably five. I mean, you just said it again, so I don't know, six. <laughs> People are like, what is this show? It's, so, it's not about a cult show. What is this? Right. Andy, this has been, we could, talk, we could talk all day, but I think we have work to do. So thank you so much for being on the show. This has been hysterical. <laughs> oh, it has been an absolute pleasure. And don't forget, if you don't know what a notebook is, Google it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.